Well, oh, this is Jim, the Keys bartender, coming to you from a partially cloudy Key Largo, low 70s, uh, kind of temperate. And if you're not familiar with the Keys bartender show, I kind of eventually throw it in there, don't I? It's a show about bartending, Keys life, and life in general. Today, as we come to the closing of the year, and it's Christmas season. We're about to get inundated down here in, in the Keys by visitors. And I'm starting my new jobs coming up. Yep. And yepper. I was thinking about the things that had nothing to do with bartending. It's about maintaining, I guess, a positive, a positive not just work ethic, just a a very life-affirming ethos. So wherever you are, whether you're working, whether you're retired, anything. And I'm gonna it's gonna to pertain to bartending. Mainly for me, I'll show you how or I'll tell you how I handle it. I try to have a good time wherever I go. If if it's a job that's not about having a good time and they strenuously say, listen, we're serious here. We're serious almost all the time. Then I kind of shy away from positions like that, as you probably can tell by the podcast. And I, if, if it's some, some people find silliness to be a sign of low intelligence. I hate to use the word stupidity. If you heard the thing from Forrest Gump, that line Stupid is, stupid does. Well, when I'm at work, I like to have a good time. I like to have a good time. And I have a certain set of skills. I sound a little like Liam Neeson and take it. I have a certain set of skills I've developed over the years. And a lot of it has to do with cornball. And I tell people, I, I do cornball. I like to have a good time. I like to be joking. I think being uh, jovial is underrated. And... I hear from a lot of people, I'm just not a morning person. I'm not a, this person. I'm not that. I got to warm up the people. Well, if you're working in a job in, in, with the public, whether in the service industry, sales, uh, legal, even almost medical, when you're dealing with the public, I know certain situations, obviously, if you're working in a funeral home and you have people coming in there looking to have a you know, have, have their loved one taken care of, either cremated or, or put in a, in a burial ground, hopefully not a pet cemetery because you don't want them to come back as an evil person, right? They're really not. I, I don't know the, the whole story behind that. I was, even though I was Stephen King, you don't bury people in Indian burial grounds or near Indian burial burial grounds where after they're dead, they come back to life, but they're infused with a malevolent spirit. So I learned that in all the years in courtesy of Stephen King. But when I go into work, I, I, I do like to have a good time. And even when I'm working by myself, a couple of the jobs I'm looking at, one of the jobs I'll be working with other people, another one I'll be pretty much the main uh, lobby bartender. It's a 
It's a, a swanky upscale resort down here in the Keys. And hopefully they're not going to listen to the podcast and say, well, we, we can't have this guy doing this. But as I said on a previous cast, uh, podcast episode, that it's facing where people check in. And I know once people get to know me, there are some people that say, you know, that, that his humor is kind of frivolous. He does it to get people to pay attention to him. He's attention hawk. He's very needy. Or some people may find me kind of funny. And uh, usually it's when people are, are watching me doing whatever I'm doing from afar. There's people that are fans and there's other people that aren't fans. It's just the way it is. Look at Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis in the United States is not considered one of the top comedians. I mean, in his time, in the 50s and 60s, maybe he was. But I'll tell you who really loved him? The French. The French really loved him. They absolutely went nuts for Jerry Lewis. And uh, so it just goes to show you that culturally people vary and how they appreciate it. And the, the resort I'm going to work at, there's a lot of, it's a very, you know, you, you'll get a lot of foreign visitors there too. They're usually the more well-off people that come to the Keys will stay at this particular resort. So I know there's a niche where I find like Asian people, when Asian people come in, sometimes they'll just find me interesting, friendly. I'm all about uh, being polite. Uh, I, sometimes my humor can, if someone misconstrues it, it may say this person's taking a little liberties with our interaction. But I, I, I was talking to my sister how at certain places I can actually pull off different things. And I was thinking for the longest time about the movie Shining, the one with Jack Nicholson. And there's a scene where he goes into the ballroom and there's a bar there. And supposedly all the liquor's locked away. And, you know, there's nothing there. And it's just Jack Nicholson, his wife, and his son in this big, huge resort in the mountains of Colorado, right? It's winter. There's no one else supposed to be there. He walks up to the bar, and there's a bartender. He's, uh, I forget the name of the, the actor. He was, he had big supporting roles in other movies. He was in Blade Runner. He was also in Sand Pebbles, if you're familiar. It's a Steve McQueen movie. But he's tall, gaunt, thin, wears thick glasses, and he was a, he was a bartender, kind of spooky bartender, at the, the resort that uh, Jack Nicholson was the the winter caretaker. It's funny it was a winter care at a place where it snows all the time. You figure it'd be a big ski resort, but it's in the mountains. It's one of those summer resorts where people go into summer in the Colorado mountains. And I guess they didn't develop. There was a shitload of snow, so it would have probably been really good for a ski resort. A huge ski resort, but it's not. It's not a ski resort. It's just abandoned in the winter, and all the staff goes to wherever they go out of season. But he he and his family are taking care of it, so he shows up, and he talks to this bartender several times he shows up. 
And I think it's a different bartender because it's, you don't, you don't really find out if it's a ghost or an, you know, the imagination, the character's imagination. But I was thinking about that one. I always thinking uh, that would be a good one, just standing there. I like the idea of trying, I put myself in the shoes from the perspective of the people looking at you. And uh, young people do this a lot. They'll say they try to freak out older people. I'm always trying to freak out older people by acting outside the norm. But older people can do the same thing where you can take advantage of younger people. And when I say younger people, people of a majority age, people in their 20s and 30s and mess around with them. I, I, I told my sister that I like that concept of doing the weird bartender staying kind of stuff. I also thought in the future, it would probably be good to look like a robot bartender too when they go up because eventually, you know, it's going to happen. People, you may call me crazy, but they're going to be bartenders that look like humans. They're going to be, and they'll only be, they only have to really be uh, uh, a robot from the waist up. They can just be on a sliding like rail. Right to go down, up and down the bar, and put up the drinks, mix the drinks, and things like that. Uh, doing doing similar activities, mixing drinks, grabbing drinks, putting them up, having a discussion with the person in a robotic fashion. And obviously, the better they get, the more they appear human. So it'd be like a robot, only at top half on a rail, moving up and down, sliding forward, or they can probably make them. Make them look like, you know, turn around, look, make them look like a walking, which was one of the other routines I used to do. Not robot bartender, but it's the old school canoe, uh, kayak, elevator, escalator, or basement. When you behind a bar, you can pretend to be on a kayak. And what you do is you got to pretend to move real smooth, like you're on the water across. And that's usually big with the kids. When I say the kids, the young kids, like you get a five and six-year-old, that'll pair them up. And then with the parents, you pretend to be the weird shining robot thing. You do that late at night when they come in and you just stand there and they look at you. And as if the bar and it goes, the bar open, you just, just move your mouth. He goes, yes, it's open. But you're just moving your mouth and you're not moving your hands or anything. Not making just the mouth. Try not to blink your eyes, too. What can I get for you? And you'd be the only one. You should be the only one in the lounge. I probably would be the best effect being the only person in the lounge. And uh, you sit there talking to them. And then you can start bringing up subjects to people. Once they start getting a vibe and say, there's something wrong with this person. Or I don't feel really comfortable. I don't know if that's the right vibe to give off. But they have a, if they're laughing, it may be good. So I've been known to take things uh, a little too far. I've never taken it that far. I never said that. Like, I, I didn't say in the interview about fraud. When people say, oh, are you going to find anything in the background check? And I'll be saying, you mean like fraud? Or the kidnapping th issue? Because that was not kidnapping. 
and uh, fraud. Uh, it wasn't fraud either. I mean, that would be like accusing, and I would tell people that, like accusing David Copperfield of theft when he made the Statue of Liberty disappear. David Copperfield was a high-end magician who made the Statue of Liberty disappear on TV, which he used blue screen, I guess, or whatever he used to make it disappear. He didn't make it disappear. I had a, a, a friend who said he hated magicians, magicians because it's like they're trying to hide their tricks, making it seem like magic when there's no magic. It's all tricks. It's all illusion. And I said, yeah, I know. You know, obviously, if there was real magic, then we'd have wizards and well, sorceresses and all those things. Well, some people actually believe that happens, but uh, that would be like a really good thing to talk about. I do like telling my little stories uh, to people. I'm saying, listen, I'm about to... Uh, People say, what are you doing now? Are you still doing a podcast? I say, yes, I am doing a podcast. I am currently working a deal with someone that I met at these crossroads. And I don't know if I'm going to accept their uh, proposal. And so what proposal is that? Well, something about my podcast making it, you know, there's only a less than point oh one percent of podcasts are big. And, you know, part of it being big is that you have a celebrity who's the host or you just gain notoriety. And once you get a foothold, you become, and they said, what are you looking for? I said, well, this person's kind of a promoter and something they're supposed to be, but, you know, and then I would go in the story about like how I was told to meet this person and that he would have some contracts for me to sign. And it would be a lot of contracts. Uh, it wouldn't be a lot of file. It wouldn't be a lot of financial obligations. Most of the obligation would be post-mortem. And that's when I found it intriguing. And usually people lean in when you say that. Yes, this person said that um, all of my obligation for payback would occur after my death. And I said, would it be my estate? Sort of. Sort of like your estate. And then I would go on and tell the story. I'd be pretty much, I'd try to retell the devil. And, you know, kind of like the Charlie Daniels with Fiddle Made of Gold where a guy sells his soul to be the greatest uh, fiddle player. I'd be uh, selling my soul to become the greatest podcaster. Like one up on Joe Rogan. So and that's the bartending thing. So I'm going to talk a little about it after the break. Uh, I'm going to have to leave shortly, though. I got to go and promise a friend that I take them into work. They were having a tough time doing the holidays. Uh, I'll be right back. Yes, I'm back. As I was saying earlier, I'm looking to spice up my, um, my life, meaning I'm just looking to be upbeat and optimistic. And I know part of it is my humor. I really like using it or whatever, or lack of humor. You know, most of the things just make me laugh. I understand. I understand just like the Jerry Lewis conundrum with him being the number one historical comic in France. And here he's not making the top 20. Let's, let's be real. So 
Uh, I've been really enjoying the Christmas season too. I want to remember that. This is one of the best Christmas season. Uh, it, it just worked out that I wasn't, you know, I'm looking for a job. Most of the jobs um, that I have um, been continuing on, the, the, and I'm zeroing in on two or three of them because they're going to be part time. I'm going to have an association with four places. I'd like to have an association because if you hire part time, part time could be one shift a week. So if things turn out rotten in one of the places, I could just go and lean more on the ones I really like. So, uh, but I also have to remember that uh, I can't be over exuberant, over, uh, you know, not just, you know, having a good time, but I think part of it is having a good time being in the job as, as a bartender, having a good time. You, you, you should deliver your drinks the way they want to be delivered, the way they should be delivered. And if someone wanted seriousness or they need seriousness, they could go to a place that's known for their seriousness, the martini bar, let's say. I, I think there's always room for levity. I think there's always room for levity. And cornball, cornball levity works almost anywhere. Almost anywhere. When you're PG, when you're PG 13, soft R, I think you're, I think you're in the sweet spot. Because you're making assumptions. When people come to the bar and they're hanging out at a bar, and they're looking for a little levity. They're not looking at something you'd find at the Mormon Tabernacle on Saturday, right? Whenever they have their services or Sunday or Saturday, they're looking. They're looking for something a little more risque. But then again, if you don't get too risque, you can be careful not to offend anybody. Not. I'm not looking not to offend anybody. I'm just looking to create a consumable, appropriate humor. So if a woman walks up with a toddler, she's not going to be super offended by it. Unless, obviously, it's one of these people that are easily offended. So if I tell a joke that involves eating meat and they get offended, then yeah, I, that's not my responsibility. You come to a bar and you're offended by something like that, you're going to be in a permanent state of offense. Right? So it depends on how sensitive you are. Serious people should not try to do comedy. And I mentioned uh, what was the last month when the lady was behind the bar and said, dude, stop telling stories about people not getting along. Talk about what are you talking about? Relationships. And relationships are fun. It's like the relationship between a bartender and a patron. There's always a joke where a bartender and patron comes in. And I'll tell you, they, for some reason, people still like to shock, shock value as a dirty, um, the dirty joke. And since we are explicit, I will tell. Uh, I think there is a joke about a guy who says has a twelve inch. Um, oh. Yeah, it, it's a bartender joke, and this and that, and uh, at. Uh, at the end of the uh, the bartender shift, or some, I'm I'm paraphrasing the joke. Uh, at the towards the last half hour of the, the bartender shift, uh, a tiny piano would be rolled out, and a 12 inch tall uh, 
man would come out and play the piano. And it would happen every night. People would wonder why this is incredible. Why would it happen? And this guy finally went up to the bartender and says, what's the deal with every night you're working towards the end of the night? This guy comes out and plays the piano. And it, the uh, bartender proceeds to tell him a story about finding a bottle uh, uh, on a beach and opening it up. And a genie comes out and the genie says, one wish. And all the jokes are three wish. Uh, one joke for me because I try to keep them as short as possible because some of the reason I paraphrase, the joke's drawn out and they suck out all the fun out of it. So the guy uh, said, um, the, the genie must have had some hearing issue because I asked him for a 12 inch penis, penis. And that's where the 12 inch pianist came from. Okay, that's a dirty joke. Okay, not super dirty, but it's dirty. The one I like is with, um, I like outrageous jokes, but not to say, sex jokes because i don't like to make people uncomfortable i think when you tell sex jokes and stuff like that it's kind of prelude it sets the table for people being raw and i don't think raw works when you're in a mixed company all the time you have to know the people if you're willing to do that stuff and be friendly with them but in a tourist destination you don't know what people are like you don't know you know people some people can't handle sex-based jokes because when they're drinking they get kind of rowdy and stuff like that so i tell my favorite joke is uh a bartender's working and it's old style joke and uh, you, you've heard this before and a grasshopper walks into a bar and the bartender says hey we got a drink named after you and the grasshopper says you got a drink named Norman? See, that's a classic. It's a classic. Who's going to be offended by that? Maybe an entomologist or whoever. Entomologists, I think they study bugs. That would be maybe a good joke. Who knows? But uh, that that's that's the other. The other one was um, guys walking along the beach. And he was uh, he was lonely. He was contemplating life. He wanted to do some uh, life changing. He needed to change his life. And he go and it's a genie one. He finds a bottle, and he opens the bottle. And the genie comes up. Thank you for releasing me. I need you um, to uh, you you get the grant a, a wish. I'm not saying three wishes. I don't know why he came three wishes. Why in the fuck would you need three wishes? And why only three? Just make it one. Make it a good one. So the guy, the genie comes up saying, I grant your wish. And the guy says, you know, I'm really lonely. That's the reason why I'm walking down the beach by myself. But um, I, I would like, to, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but I'm afraid of flying. And I'm afraid of the ocean, traveling on the ocean. So what would really be great is if you can have a highway built from California to Hawaii. And the genie looked at him and goes, you're insane. You know what the engineering requirements of that would be? How much steel, how much concrete and tar to build a highway thousands of miles across the ocean down to, you know, be building bridges that would 
go to the depths of the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. So that's incredible amount of resources. I can't do it. I can't do it. It takes forever. It would take forever to do that. And it would take so much resources. So the guy goes, okay, okay. I did mention I was lonely. Maybe we should address that. What I need to know, since I'm lonely walking on a beach, it's because I never learned how to relate to women. And what I really need to do is understand what women like, what I could do to make them happy, how to satisfy them, you know, to anticipate their needs. That's something you could probably manage on doing. And the genie goes, okay, do you want a two or four lane highway to Hawaii? It is cake. It is crack. Cracking. A cracking. Uh, that, I heard that my friend Mark O'Keefe, my friend. I shouldn't call him a friend because he, when we exchanged a couple messages, but he's a comedian in, he's in Ireland now. I think he's in County Cork. He just left London. And uh, he does a podcast called This Irish American Life. And he's not American. His wife's American. So... Um, he, he kind of tells jokes, uh, his jokes are, I mean, he could tell it, he could tell it on the show. I might piss a couple of you people off, but, uh, I'm, I'm going to attempt to have this guy on the show and I don't want him to, uh, catch his comments. The one thing, what he talk about, he had a joke, uh, I'm crediting Mark O'Keefe because he heard it on Joe Rogan about he was talking to a dyslexic person and the person said and mark thinks he's dyslexic and the person says they're divergent uh, there's a, a mental divergence and he heard uh, of diversity and Mark uh, tells his joke like, and he's telling people to think, he, he tells his joke and he says, listen, I think like a black man. I can think like a black man, a diversity. And they go, no, no, no. That's just another word for, and he uses the R word for uh, mentally disabled. Which I don't like using that word and stuff like that, but it doesn't mean, I do explicit on this show just because, so we can get around it. So we can get around with people not being offended and say, well, listen, you did warn us. So that's that's the, I guess that's the thing with uh, that uh, joke. So humor, weirdness, all that stuff works at it. I used to do it all the time uh, when I was in software sales. There was a bunch of weirdos. There was this guy, Tim uh, Burke, I worked with. I got to give the guy credit. He was hilarious. He was hilarious. He was one of these uh, Merlin boys that M Maryland is kind of a southern state, kind of mid-Atlantic state. It's mid-Atlantic, not very truly southern, but parts of Merlin are kind of southern. And they got... They, yeah, just like Pennsylvania, it's, yeah, you get the rural areas. And and Tim, I think Tim was did the chew where he do the spit cup thing. Some guys picked it up in college, and you know they they seem a little uh, uh, what would you call it uh, rural, rural. The kind of country. Hey, people. Some people might call them hayseeds. 
hayseeds. You know, you got the little pouch on it or something. But then again, I'm being accused kind of like being a Philadelphia guy, right? But I, I have many different faces. There was a movie called The Many Faces of Fu Manchu. Uh, I do have many different faces. I'm not two-faced. I'm multifaceted. Multifaceted. I'm a multifaceted individual, like a diamond with a lot of sides to it. And that's what I'm going to try to bring to life. And I mean, I have my core qualities, my core qualities like a diamond, but the shape can be slightly different. So I'm like a diamond or a snowflake. All snowflakes are made from frozen H2O, but they're all different. Hmm. And there's nothing wrong with a snowflake. They melt easily, you know, stuff like that. But if you melt, hey, let's say you were a shape of a snowflake, but a diamond, that'd be tough. With the, the hardness of diamond and the resilience of steel. How about that? Or, or tungsten. Whatever the super hard metal is. Tungsten or titanium. Titanium. Titanium is a hard metal. So with the uniqueness of a snowflake and the hardness of titanium. This is Jim the Keys Bartender. I will be back again later on this week before Christmas. And I'll do my Christmas show. And thankful stuff and all that crap. Love you guys. Bye.